Hey, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Woodstock City Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download the Woodstock City Church app where you can access all of our recent message content as well as find out about what's going on around Woodstock City Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. So this morning, kicking off a brand new series, a brand new conversation called Do It Scared, where we're going to be talking about courage, courage, um, what it looks like to live a little bit more courageously, what it looks like, what it looks like to overcome the fear, the fear that you have, the fear that I have that holds us back from the thing that you know you should do, from the thing that you know that you need to do, and even for some of us, the fear that holds us back from the thing that we would even say we feel convicted or even called to do. Courage. Now, really quickly, I want to tell you what the series is not about. Um, this series is not about eliminate, eliminating the fear that holds you back from what you should need or feel convicted or called to do. Um, this isn't about eliminating fear. Eliminating fear is kind of like that's not how it works. You can't just say, well, don't, don't be scared anymore because it's probably a really good reason why you have that fear. Okay. It's just eliminating fear isn't, isn't necessarily helpful. Um, because here's the other thing. If you're talking about, um, doing something that know you should do, doing something that you need to do, doing something you feel convicted to do. If you wait until the fear goes away to do it, you're never going to do it. I'm never going to do it. Waiting for fear to be eliminated, to take a step basically just means we're never going to take a step. So this series isn't about eliminating fear. This series is about overcoming fear. And that is different. Overcoming fear is what courage is. Because courage, courage, the definition, courage. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is moving forward even in the face of fear. Courage is not waiting for my fear to subside. Courage is not waiting for my fear to be eliminated. Courage is, hey, I've got something that is holding me back from what I know I should do or need to do. And so in the face of that thing that scares me the most, I'm going to take a step anyway. In other words, courage is when you do it scared. And over the next few weeks, I want to talk about what that might look like for you and for me, because I believe on the other side of a courageous step that you or I might be afraid to take, that there is something that God has for you and for me, that on the other side of a courageous step, we might learn a little bit more of what is actually required if we say that we follow Jesus. And on the other side of a courageous step could be something for you, for your faith, for others, and even for the kingdom that Jesus came to establish. Our house, we have a crawl space, three-foot dungeon of doom under our house. And um, before we bought our house, um, the previous owners, they added on an addition, a sunroom, which is awesome. So the sunroom has a crawl space. The only thing they didn't do was extend the hose connection to now the new back of the house. It's still under the old back of the house, which means it's 15 feet into a crawl space that I'm terrified of. And um, I don't do, like, I don't do things that could bite you. It's a pretty reasonable way to live my life. Do you know what I mean? Like, so that includes spiders. I don't, I don't do, it doesn't include toddlers. I have a few of those. Um, 
But spiders, I, just, I don't know why. I just, I have an irrational fear of spiders. Like I feel like, I feel like they are the predators and I'm the prey. I just, I don't, I don't like them. I don't do spiders. And spiders, basically their habitat basically is crawl spaces. That's verified. You can look that up. That's where they, that's where they live. So a few years back, we resodded our backyard, which means I had to get the hose out and, and, and sprinkler. You got to water that thing day and night. And so I'm like, all right, I've... I've avoided going into that crawl space since we bought this house. Now I can't avoid it because my grass needs it and I'm not gonna let my grass die. You all know that very well. And so I'm gearing up and, and, I, and I open up the crawl, and I'm not making this up, trying to ham it up because it's a sermon. I'm not kidding. I mean, I open it up and, and who knows when the last time that crawl space was opened. I mean, the light came in and those spiders, like the, the long legs, and I know they can't bite you. I don't care. They like, they just all over the door. The sun came through. You could see all the, all the cobwebs. I mean, Stranger Things 3 was filmed down there. <laughs> and I said, nope. I closed the door, went to Costco, bought a hundred foot hose and ran that junk from the front of the house. <laughs> I was like, not today. No, thank you. And later on, last year, I paid somebody to extend it so I never have to go under there again, okay? <clears throat> Closed the door, turned around, and I walked away. That's what we do as humans. When faced with a fear, when faced with adversity, when faced with uncomfortable, when faced with difficult, when faced with the unknown, even though we know we need to do it, take a step and go anyway. Our tendency is to back down close the door and walk away. I mean, come on, you could probably think of a time. You could probably think of a time when your fear, fear held you back from something that you wanted to do. Your fear held you back from something you needed to do. Held you back from something that you should do. Even felt convicted to do. Like maybe, maybe the fear of rejection has been holding you back from cultivating meaningful community in your life. Maybe the fear of looking weak has kept you from asking for help. The fear of failure has kept you from trying that thing. Fear of failure has kept you from putting your name in the hat for that interview or for that job that you're just like, I feel like this is what I need to be doing. Or maybe some of you, the fear of failure has kept you from signing up to volunteer at church. Uh, for some of you, um, the fear of optics or the fear of people's perceptions or the fear of guilt by association has kept you from loving somebody the way that Jesus has loved you. Maybe the fear of being alone has kept you from, un, from ending an unhealthy relationship. Maybe the fear of people's opinions has kept you from following your convictions the fear of falling behind has kept you from acting with integrity. The fear of conflict has kept you from a hard conversation that you know you just need to have. The fear of awkwardness or people's reactions has kept you from being honest about something, has kept you from working towards reconciliation with somebody that you've been at odds with for far too long. Or maybe for some of us, the fear of awkwardness has kept us from sharing our faith. Maybe the fear of not being in control for some of us at a very high level, the fear of not being in control has kept us from faith altogether. Like the fear of what if Jesus really is who he says that he is has just kept us from faith altogether. 
That's the thing about living courageously. Maybe you're in the room, you're like, yeah, I'd love to live a little bit more courageous. Here's what's true for all of us. If we all just decided, okay, you know what? Today, tomorrow, this week, this year, I'm going to live a little bit more courageously. Here's what's true for everybody. If you choose to do so, living courageously puts you in vulnerable positions. So it's so scary about it. Like it puts rejection and failure in the realm of possibility. It takes you and me into uncharted territory. It forces us in some instances to kind of take our hands off the steering wheel because no longer are we fully in control of the outcome. And that's uncomfortable. I like being comfortable. Maybe you do too. Comfortable is safe. Comfortable is known. Comfortable is what has been. Comfortable is not rocking the boat. I'm good. I'll get comfortable. But here's the tension that we're going to wrestle with. Courage and comfort cannot coexist. Remember the definition of courage. It is moving forward even in the face of fear, not when the fear is gone. So that means by definition, there is not a situation where you are choosing courage and comfortable at the same time. So why does that matter? Because you're like, well, Sam, all right, cool, whatever. I don't need them to coexist. I'll just stay comfortable. (laughs) Yeah, gotcha, you know. Here's why this should matter to you and to me, because here's the human tendency. You ready? Isn't it so true that sometimes we can get comfortable in positions that we have no business being comfortable in? You know this just on a physical level. Like you're laid down on the couch in a weird position that felt comfortable. Then you got up and you moved your elbow when it cracked in 46 different places. And you're like, I should not. I thought it was comfortable. It's not. Or you slept wrong and you slept all night but you slept wrong, you know, and you woke, ah, it's uncomfortable. We can get too comfortable in positions we shouldn't be comfortable with. If I could just pose it as a question, what if, what if your comfort is costing you more than you should be comfortable with? Because courage is scary, but here's what you know. Comfort can be costly. And what if, what if it is costing us more than we should be comfortable with? Because sometimes being comfortable looks like getting used to something that you shouldn't get used to. Sometimes being comfortable is hiding a struggle that is wreaking havoc on your conscience and suffocating your most important relationships. For some of you, being comfortable means ignoring your conviction. Been there, done that. For some of us, being comfortable is missing out on an opportunity we've maybe been praying for. Being comfortable is missing out on opportunity for growth, for influence, for learning. For some of us, being comfortable means keeping money, time, and faith all to myself. Here's what we're so good at doing. Me too. We so often assess the risk of what a courageous step. We assess the risk of a courageous step, but we rarely count the potential cost of our comfort. So, what might your comfort be costing you? Personal or spiritual growth? Walking in and finding more purpose? A chance to see God's faithfulness? A chance to see a side of God that you've never seen before? learning from adversity and failure? What, what might it be costing you? Or what might your comfort be costing others? 
What relationship is quietly suffering because it's more comfortable to not address the problem or to not address the tension? What relationship is quietly suffering because it's easier to not address the problem in here and with you? Come on, what is your comfort costing others? A healthy marriage? Your relationship with your kids? The gift of reconciliation? Seeing Jesus model to that other person? What is your comfort costing others? Because nothing in the way of Jesus is centered on self, which leads us to the last question. What might your comfort be costing the kingdom? What influence have you not wielded because of your comfort? What what opportunity to exercise a God-given gift or passion is being lost because of your comfort? Here's what's true about my life, and I guess it's probably true about your life. My potential and our potential is rarely maximized if we are always comfortable. So, what if your comfort is costing you more than you should be comfortable with? And what should compel you and I to courage? I want to look at this moment that Jesus has in the Gospel of Matthew. It's actually a very famous moment. It is so famous that I actually felt self-conscious about teaching. Because I'm like, oh, they're already going to know the story, so think of something else. But there wasn't anything better. Because this is so good, and this is so rich. And in fact, it is so familiar, it's probably good to go back and to slow down. This could be your first time in church, and I promise you, you've heard this story. But I want us to walk through it slowly and get everything out of it that we can. So Jesus, in Matthew chapter 14, the context says he just finished feeding the 5,000 which is more than 5,000, you know, they only counted the men back then because they were dumb. And so um, women and children were there. And so Jesus just broke the bread and the, multiplied all of that and fed thousands and thousands of people. So that's kind of the context. Matthew chapter 14, he documents verse 22. Immediately after it finished feeding everyone, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. Of, of the lake, it's the Sea of Galilee, specifically the largest fresh water body in, in the world, I believe, um, while he dismissed the crowd. So he sends the disciples in a boat to go across the lake, and then he dismisses the crowd that he just fed a lot of food. They've got to-go boxes and all that. They are just fine. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. He just did a big miracle. He did a moment by himself. That's a sermon for another day. Later that night, he was there alone, And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land. And it was buffeted, Matthew tells us, by the waves because the wind was against it. So they're out on the lake. Disciples are in this boat. And, you know, it's kind of getting a little bit stormy, I guess. You know, the wind is picking up. It's, It's not smooth sailing. Waves are getting better. The wind is happening. And it's dark, so it's already kind of scary. It's like a crawl space in water. That's terrifying. You know what I'm saying? So shortly before dawn, which would have been in between 3 and 6 a.m., Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. I love that. He didn't get in a boat. He was probably like, what's the fastest way? Oh, I just keep walking. You know, like, I, I love this. I love this. This is so Jesus. You can do this if you are God in a body, okay? I, I, he just... Matthew, and I love it. Matthew's just like, he just, he just, he kept walking. I even wonder if he didn't realize he was like, oh, I'm on the water now. You know, like he just, he kept on walking. So then shortly before dawn, he walks out on the lake. And then when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified as they should be. 
Because they're seeing something that doesn't make sense. They're seeing something that doesn't compute. And so the only logical explanation is where they landed, Matthew tells us, who would have been in the boat with them. It was a ghost. It's a ghost. And so they cried out in fear. What else would it be? Of course it's a ghost, because a ghost can just hover over the water. There's no way a human can walk on water. This is crazy. And whenever we're faced with something that doesn't make sense, right? I mean, it's very normal to grow fearful because we just don't have a category. What is going on here? What is happening? But immediately, Jesus said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And notice the order of these three statements. Take courage. In the face of what you fear, stand firm. In the face of what you fear, just hang tight and hold on. Why? Because it's me. It's me. You know me. I'm here. It's me. I'm with you. And because of that, don't be afraid. Not because this isn't crazy, but because it's me and my own have no reason to fear. So then Peter, and I imagine being in the boat. They were all there seeing this. Like this is, if I could just imagine the, the look on their faces, what they're saying to each other. And then Peter looks out at Jesus and he says, okay, Lord, if it's you, this is the point of the whole story. Lord, if it's you, if it's really you, then tell me to come out onto the water. This is unbelievable. Again, the disciples are probably like, oh, Peter, are you, will you just chill one time, you know? One time, and just be chill. This is really incredible, though. Peter, Peter had heard enough from Jesus. He'd spent enough time with Jesus and he'd seen enough of Jesus to conceive of a reality that he could walk on water if Jesus wanted him to do it. And for some of us, like, we've been there. Let me kind of translate it into our day today. For some of us, we've asked God to do something. We ask God for an opportunity. We've asked God to fix a relationship. We've asked God to open a door. We've asked God to use us. We've asked God to help us discover our purpose. For some of us, we've told God that we want to follow Jesus. Like Peter, we often have enough confidence to take that thing to God. But the question then is the point of the series. Do we have the courage to do what he asks us next? Do we have the courage to do what he asks Peter to do next? Okay. Come on. Okay, come on. I wish I could see the disciples' face. They're like, what? Come, come down. Start the journey. Take a step. This is the moment this is the moment for Peter. Remember, courage and comfort cannot coexist. And Peter has a lot to be uncomfortable with us in this moment. What's comfortable? Stay in the boat, man. 
Like what makes sense? Stay in the boat. What does physics tell you? Stay in the boat. Avoid them. Ignore the conviction. Don't try to work through that conflict. No, no, no. It's not worth trying to reconcile. No, no, no. Keep that habit a secret. Forget integrity. It's too costly. No, no. Keep on hiding. Jesus invites Peter to take a courageous step. And he invites you and I to do the same as well. Then Peter, you know the story, he got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. And don't pass by this so quick. Because we know what's next, we don't give Peter enough credit for this moment. Because this man walked on water more than any of us ever will. If only he knew. He's probably like, y'all do not give me enough credit for those five steps. You ever tried one? You know, like, I mean, he's on the water. Like, don't miss this. This is unbelievable. This would have taken an unbelievable amount of courage to step down. And, take, and I, again, I, I don't want to lose the humanity of this moment. Like, I wish I could see it. Because, you know, he didn't just, he was probably like, that's, no, toe's not going in. You know, like, you know, He's like, hey, hold my two minutes. You know, I mean, like, there's a, there's a human element to this that we just cannot miss. And then he stumbles on and he, and he, he starts to his probably unbelievable disbelief into everyone in the boat, starts walking towards Jesus. And then the second point of this moment, Peter didn't step out of the boat because his fear went away. He didn't step out, step out of the boat because of what he feared went away. Peter stepped out of the boat because of who he was looking at. Peter stepped out of the boat because of who called him. Peter stepped out of the boat because of who his confidence was in. Peter stepped out of the boat because who Jesus tipped the scales of his comfort. And he decided to lean in to courage. It was who that compelled him to push through the fear. So he left the comfort of the boat, courageously took a step because of his confidence in Jesus. And then you know what happens next. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and saw when he felt it. You know, it's almost like there's moments when you, you can't see it, but it feels like you can see it. And he was afraid and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. He took his eyes off Jesus. His attention went from Jesus to the wind and to the waves. I mean, you can, you can feel this, right? Again, this is fresh water, not salt water, but you've been at the beach, you've been at a lake on a jet ski, like wind is going and you're feeling the, the specks of water on your face. Like you can, you can feel what he is literally feeling in this moment. And it's like he started walking and for a moment that he forgot what he was doing because he was looking at Jesus. And then it's like he realized what he was doing. He realized how vulnerable he was outside of the boat and he panicked. And I don't blame him. Because I'm not even sure I would have stepped out. His attention shifted from confidence in Jesus 
to an insecurity in himself because he knew that he couldn't and he started to sink. Immediately, immediately we're told. And Peter's there watching it. And you know, none of them jumped out to help. Um, Jesus reached out to his hand and caught him. He says, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And I, I don't read this as like, he's coming down on him. He's just asking, come on, why, why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down, presumably because Jesus made the wind die down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly you are the son of God. So what's the point? It's a new party trick for Peter. You know, every time we went to a pool party after, Peter, Peter, do the, do the thing, do the thing, do, 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 do the thing. No. This wasn't about Peter. This wasn't about Peter walking. Do you remember Peter's question at the beginning? Lord, if it's really you, and then how does the story end? Them worshiping who he truly is. This had nothing to do about Peter. And for you and for me, this isn't about Peter. This is about is Jesus and was Jesus who he said that he was? Is Jesus capable of what he's claimed to be capable of? Is Jesus worth following? Can Jesus be trusted? Is Jesus worth our surrender? Can I trust him in failure and in difficulty? Is he worth following no matter the cost. And what I love about this story, it's not a buttoned up story about perfect faith. You get two things that are a part of the human journey if you're trying to follow Jesus. Steps of faith and then steps of doubt. And here's what you get. This is the series right here. Like if, if you've tuned out and you're already thinking about what you might order at Applebee's, like come, come back in here for just a second. Peter learned something about Jesus when he walked. Absolutely. Don't miss this. But Peter also learned something about Jesus when he sank. Maybe. Maybe Peter learned more about Jesus in the sinking than in And this would not be the last time that Peter would ever doubt. This not would be the last time that Peter was scared to try to follow. This would not be the last time Peter would have to exercise courage at the expense of his own comfort. But it was a defining moment that I'm sure he looked back on often. And Peter learned a little bit more that He learned a little bit more that day that his Lord and his teacher was good and trustworthy. He learned that he could trust the invitation of his rabbi to follow wherever it may lead. And he had no idea yet exactly where it was going to fully lead to. He learned that Jesus was always close. He learned that failure does not mean it was all for nothing. That what he might deem success isn't always the end result or God's plan. Peter's faith grew that day. Peter's confidence grew that day. And Peter's worship changed that day. 
And all of that, all of that he would have lost had he stayed in the comfort of the boat. This is the series right here. He learned about Jesus in the walking and he certainly learned about Jesus in the sinking. And the comfort would not have been worth any of it. So, what is it for you? What boat have you just gotten too comfortable in? What would a courageous step onto the water look like for you? And for most of us, whether you're a person of faith or not, right? Come on, for most of us, maybe I dare to say all of us, a vast majority, something immediately comes to mind, doesn't it? Starting the process of forgiveness, reconciling, breaking up with, confessing, confronting, community, being seen and being known fully, giving, serving, sharing your faith, making that call, choosing integrity, being honest with yourself, loving unashamedly as Jesus would and did, surrendering. It's scary. It's risky. But we have to remember comfort is more costly. And following Jesus Following Jesus for all of us will require every one of us at one point or another to step out of the boat onto the water and follow. But if we learn anything from this moment with Peter, it's that he can be trusted and he's always closer than we think. C.S. Lewis wrote this series of um, fantasy novels called the Chronicles of Narnia. He originally wrote them to teach kids about the things of God. Unbelievable. But if you've ever read any of them, they're not just for kids. I'm reading some of them for the first time. And just recently, for the first time ever, I read his most famous one. I don't know what took me so long. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And if you've never read, let me just give you a quick synopsis. These, these four siblings, and this, the first one kind of sets this all up, they make their way into this this. this other world called Narnia. And they get, they, they get there through a, a wardrobe. And in Narnia, animals can talk. In Narnia, there's all sorts of magic. And in Narnia, when you're introduced to it, there's this wicked white witch that is ruling. She's evil. And C.S. Lewis has an incredible line in the book that um, because of the witch, it's always winter, but it's never Christmas. Just sit on that for a second. Unbelievable. And then in these books, um, Jesus is depicted as this great lion whose name is Aslan. And the, the kids step into this world eventually and they're meeting all these different animals and characters and to kind of learn about what's going on. They end up playing a part in the, the, you know, being part heroes in the story alongside Aslan and all this. But there's this moment early on in the book, the kids are meeting with Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. It's their technical name, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver. And they're learning about Narnia, learning about everything. And then Mr. Beaver he tells the kids about Aslan. And they're thinking Aslan is a man. And then he, they learn Aslan is actually a lion, which takes the kids aback a little bit. And Susan, 
one of the siblings. She asked this question, and it's so powerful the way C.S. Lewis frames this. She asked Mr. Beaver, <clears throat> she says, is he, is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous, scared, meeting a lion. And Mr. Beaver responds, safe? <laughs> Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. He asked Peter to get out of the boat. He told Peter, come on, you're going to do what doesn't make sense because I'm calling you to do it. It's difficult, but I'm, I'm calling you to do it. It's going to cost you, but I'm calling you to do it. it. It might hurt at first. It might be awkward. I'm not even going to guarantee you that it's going to work out the way that you want it to. But on the other side of your courage, I'm just telling you, there's more for you there. See, safe. Of course, he isn't safe in that. Mr. Beaver says, of course, he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Of course, he isn't safe, but he's good. You're going to find yourself in moments walking on water. Then you're going to find yourself in moments of sinking. And Jesus is there every step of the way. Safe is comfortable. Safe is ordinary. Safe is limiting. Safe is stagnant. And Jesus has more for you and for me than safe. And he's good. He's always close. And he can be trusted. So, what might your comfort be costing you? What might your comfort be costing others? And what might your comfort be costing the kingdom that Jesus has called his followers to help establish. What if your comfort is costing you and I more than we should be comfortable with? In the journey to follow Jesus, the walking and the sinking, the working out the way that we want it to and not panning out the way that we thought, there will be moments where we're required to step out of the boat and onto the water and follow. And it might be scary, but the comfort is more costly. So maybe, just maybe, we'd all do well to not get too comfortable. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, would you... Would you begin to do a, a work in all of us this morning to illuminate and to maybe point out where this needs to land with us today? Father, would, would you begin to peel back the layers and show us what we need to do, should do, remind again what you've been calling us to do, 
And I pray today, not in one fell swoop, but I pray today would just be the beginning of the journey to cultivate the kind of courage that gets us out of the boat, that stretches the borders of our trust in you, to cultivate the kind of courage that is willing to follow no matter where it leads, no matter where you lead. May you begin to cultivate in us the type of courage that changes us, impacts those around us, and builds up your kingdom. Thank you for the example of Jesus. Thank you that he can be trusted. Thank you that he's always close. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.